You're listening to audio from the Town Center campus of CA Church, located in downtown Coquitlam. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they were persecuted, the prophets who were before you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can take a seat. Good to be with you this morning. For those of you who don't know, my name is Brad. I uh, am one of the pastors here at CA Town Center. And just to clarify, the picture from Ensenada, thank you, Mark. I, I do think it's important to clarify, this was Sunday just after the Sunday morning service. It's not like we're dressing that way as we're going to, to serve in the different areas of Ensenada. So I just wanted to, to clarify that. I don't always look so, you know, pretty good, actually. I mean, um, I, I can, every Sunday we pop that up and think, why have I not made that my profile pic yet? I don't know why I haven't done that yet. Um, guys, if you are visiting with us this morning, uh, so excited that you, you've trusted us with, with an hour and a bit. We'll try to keep doing an hour-ish bit of your time to, uh, to allow a stranger to, to speak to you about the Word of God, to, to join us. Um, maybe you come from a different uh, religious background, and so maybe things are a little bit different, maybe just kind of a different, uh, maybe out of your comfort zone a little bit. Um, maybe, maybe the whole the old idea of religion or, or Christianity is something new for you. So I really want to thank you for coming. Um, you know, you come into this kind of environment and, uh, you know, where else do you, do you hear people just getting together, facing in one direction and, and singing these songs like this? That doesn't happen in your staff room, I'm guessing. Uh, there's no like, hey, I got this, this, this new uh, J-Lo song. Let's sing it together. It just really touches my heart. And everyone sings it together. That's not normally what we do when we gather in groups like this. So it could feel very, very different to you. Uh, you see people with their, their hands up, this kind of, God, we, I want you to kind of take over or give me something. All these kind of things that can be a little strange. When, when Jesus uh, kind of showed up on the scene as, as an adult and was ready to do ministry, he was proclaiming what he called the kingdom of God. That there, it was kind of this inaugural um, speech that he gives on what we call the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7. And, and so for all of those who are kind of gathering around Jesus, he's been doing some miracles and things like that. And they gather around, they go, I want to know more about what this kingdom is about. This, this baptism that you're calling us into, this, this new understanding of the world that, that, that God is stepping into time and space. I want to know what this is like. And what Jesus responds with is, this is what you ought to look like if you're going to be a part of this kingdom. He says, there's a way the world tells you to live. And then there's a way that the kingdom of God says, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to associate with me, if you're going to live under my reign as the king of your life and the king of your time and the king of your, your future, then this is what I am calling you to live out. And you can compare almost any of these uh, blessings, any of these what we call the Beatitudes, supreme blessings, um, and you could say, wow, this is 
This, this is, flips the, the cultural dynamic on its head. This is not the way I see people uh, reacting to other people. To, to come off as poor or be someone who, who, who mourns, who breaks down and cries over, over the sin in the world. To come off meek. To, to come off as someone's like, I'm, not, I'm just not satisfied. I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. To show mercy? Where do we see that? Anywhere in the world today. Uh, it's, not, it's not on social media. We never see mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who, who kind of, who want to get rid of those things who might taint their heart, who, who, want to, who are willing to chisel those things out and to kind of live this pure life, to have virtue. And then today we see blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. According to, a, to research that was gathered in 2021, the United States, you will be surprised, you can blow, blow your socks off, had the highest number of stressed, anxious, and sad people in the world. The highest amount of stress and anxiety and just a lack of peace uh, uh, just, uh, and an abundance of inner turmoil, the U.S. rated the highest. Canada was second in the world, tied with the U.K., for those who, who, who as adults say, I am walking with stress and anxiety, loneliness, and just a lack of peace. France was fourth. Australia, New Zealand were close. Sweden was, was seventh. The, all these, these countries are like, oh, that's the happiest place to live. They, they don't seem so happy. Norway, 10th. Uh, or sorry, 10% of the world. 10% of Norway. So I messed that up a little bit. But anyway, um, but as the research shows over and over and over, what's interesting for those of you who are from South America is South America rated as the most at peace in their hearts and minds. They just said, no, I feel pretty at peace. So other than, other than, they're all, they're all, yeah, uh, other than, <laughs> see, and that's why. Uh, other than places that actually had war going on, obviously were rate, would be rated very low, but um, what, what, we, what we found in, in, in research like this, and we find this over and over and over, is, is that it, regardless of how, um, how, of the wealth in a country or the wealth in an area, regardless of that, anxiety and depression is on the rise. In fact, some of the, what we would see from the outside looks like the healthiest cultures and societies tend to have some of the highest uh, issues and concerns with just a lack of inner peace. There is a need for peace. The levels of reports of PTSD today are at the same level as those who walked out of World War II. And this, in fact, there's more reports of PTSD today. We, we just can't handle life. Our stories have become so small and fractured and carrying, we are carrying burdens and we are, there's just a lack of inner peace. So there is a need for peace. Not just peace out there, but peace in here. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. What a, in, in a world like the, that we face today, what an important calling to be peacemakers. Now why would peacemakers be called children of God? Well, First, because peacemakers are a reflection of their father. Peacemakers are a reflection of their father. Jesus says that we are called children of God. What does it mean to be called children of God? Well, not, not only that, that they will be children of God, but they will be called children of God. People will look at them and go, something is different going on here. It's not just about God pronouncing it. Being a child of God is not just a promise we claim. It's a reality that we live out. So we don't just go, oh, good, I feel this peace. I'm at peace. I'm at peace. No, it's, it's not just a promise we hold on to. It's, it's, a, it's a reality that we live out. 
In, in the Gospel of John, uh, it says this, John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Yet all who did receive him, that being Jesus, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. But the invitation is not only to be, to be welcomed into this kingdom, it's to live out this new kingdom. That's what Jesus is calling his disciples to, the crowd to, you and I to, to live out this new peace, to Seek out others who are living in inner chaos and say, I want to welcome you into this peace that Jesus has given me. Some of you will remember the, the, the game we played in elementary school. We called it Blob. I know some people called it Amoeba. And it was like you, you tag someone and then you hold hands with them and then you go after other people and you kind of tag them and grab them. That's an idea of what church is supposed to look like. We're, we're in this unity and we go, oh, we want to we welcome other people. Why don't you come in here? Now, what we tend to do over time is churches become more like uh, Red Rover. And we stand like this and we go, we call Kim over. And if you can break through, then we'll let you hold our hands. That's not, that's not, that's not a peacemaker. <laughs> but we're, we're invited as peacemakers who've been, who've been filled with the peace of Christ to step into the world and say, we, I, I know life looks chaotic. I know the world is saying the sky is falling. I want to welcome you into this peace and this hope. And so because of that, being a child of God, being a peacemaker is also a, a vocation. If you are a Christ follower, part of your vocation in life is not about what job you have and how you get paid. Part of your vocation is to actually be, uh, is, is, is to, to live out peace and welcome other people into this peace. And it's a lifelong pursuit of inviting others. As Don Krauss says, who attends our church, uh, you're not done till you're dead. You continue to live out this peace and welcome others into it. Uh, the word for called in, in the Greek there is, I like to throw at least one Greek word, kaleo. Kaleo. It's a great word to say. Everybody say kaleo. And, and more often than not, when the New Testament writers use the word kaleo, it's about what you have been called or invited into. In other words, it's not just, about, it's not just oh, you're, I'm going to call you this. Why don't you just sit in that comfortable new title I've given you? That's not what it is. It's you've been called to do this. It's the life you've been called to do. So, so in other words, represent the family well. As you've been brought in by peace, now go out and live that peace out so that you look like a child of the living God. And I, I would suggest that the, the very tool that, that, that we wield that makes us peacemakers is, is the tool that made us children of God. We were brought in by peace between us and God. That was brought about through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. There's a, there's a tool that the world lacks right now. That Jesus died to create. To, that he died to offer us. And that tool is forgiveness. If, if forgiveness is, is wielded more often, we would see a lot more peace in the world. There's a real lack of forgiveness. But if, if you are a forgiving person, you are living like a child of the living God. That is the DNA that has been poured into each of us is forgiveness. The greatest way to bring about peace is through forgiveness. In fact, I would say that forgiveness is an aggressive attack on peacelessness. You want to you end long bouts of peacelessness and chaos in relationships, uh, even within people sometimes, infuse forgiveness into the situation. In Matthew 5, verses 43 to 45, so later in, in the same chapter, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
That, I think that would be a common saying we could use today. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Do you want to look more like, act more like, um, uh, think more like your Father in heaven? Be people who forgive. And this kind of behavior is hard for the world to understand. The world does not get forgiveness. It has, for those who have not experienced forgiveness, it seems foreign and like you're up to something. <laughs> what are you doing? You can't just let this go. And we've seen this in, in the world. We've seen how the world just does not know how to respond to forgiveness. Some of you will remember in 2018, the female police officer named Amber Geiger, she entered into what she thought was her own apartment, and there was a man in there who she thought was a burglar. And so she pulled out her gun while she was off duty, and she shot him, and she killed him. And at her trial, she had walked into his, his apartment. At her trial, she was convicted of murder. And this man who had passed away, the victim, his younger brother was given an opportunity to speak. He asked the judge if he could speak. And he looked Amber Geiger in the eye and he said, I want you to know that in the name of Jesus, I forgive you. He goes, I know you're going, I know you're going to prison. I know you made a mistake. I know you're, you're, you're guilty by all accounts. I want you to know that you are forgiven. And I, I can forgive you because Jesus forgave me, he said. We have a picture, I think, of that, of that trial. And then he asked the judge, he said, can I please have permission to hug her? And you can see the effect on the judge which I think is gorgeous. People judged him for doing that. Said she doesn't deserve that. She's a murderer. He said, I, I can be nothing but a peacemaker. That's what Christ made me. Some of you will remember further back in 2006, a shooter entered a, a one-room Amish school in Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania. He dismissed all but 10 girls and he shot them all. Killing five of them. Five of them survived. Within hours, within hours, the same day, the Amish community came out to say, we forgive this killer. They went to his widow's house, because he had taken his own life, went to his widow's house and said, this is not on you. Anything, any shame or guilt, do, do not even think about it. You are forgiven. News from the instant forgiveness stunned the outside world almost as much as the incident did. Then how can you do that? How can you let this off so easily? One news outlet reported, and I quote, Many pundits lauded the Amish, but others worried that hasty forgiveness was emotionally unhealthy. One of the, the men in the community who was reflecting a few years later, one of the Amish men there, he said, it's all, he asked about this forgiveness. He said, it's all part of our Christian faith. It's as simple as that. And then he said, well, maybe it's not that simple, but that's how it is. <laughs> now, why does that stand out? <laughs> why does that kind of forgiveness stand out? Because the world has settled in peacelessness. It's settled in chaos. It's settled in anger, tooth for tooth, eye for eye. The very language of forgiveness is a foreign language to the world. Unless, unless there were a group of people 
who after experiencing peace, who, who understand themselves as children of the living God and as ambassadors of the very peace that they claim for themselves, if there was a group like that, then we could see families changed. We could see communities changed. We could see cultures changed. Then the communities can be flipped on their heads. And you've heard me say this before. The world does not change from the top down. It changes from the bottom up. It does not change with, with, with petitions and politics. Historically, it has always changed when a group of people says, I'm, I'm going to live out this peace that I've been infused with. I'm going to live out the forgiveness that I have been so freely offered. That will flip a community on its head. Well, how can that happen? Well, Scripture's pretty clear that the, the lack of peace out there is often because of the lack of peace in here. That the chaos that is lived out outside of ourselves is because of a chaos inside us. Peace is not manufactured. We do, I'm going to try harder to be a peaceful person. We can't manufacture. If we do, it'll last a little while. It doesn't come from trying harder. The lack of peace that, that many feel inside will never be fully remedied by, by politics or economics or social changes, by chemical means. It is a heart problem that needs a heart solution. So I'm saying this to you if you're thinking, why am I always lacking peace? Why am I always, if someone comes at me, why does my, the only response, the only tool I have is to come back at them with maybe a little more so I can intimidate them not to come back again. Because it's a heart issue. It's not, I'm just going to come up with some new practices and some new ethics. Jeremiah 17.9 says this in the Old Testament. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things. It's beyond cure. Who can understand it? So what then do we do? If our heart is deceitful above all things, it's, it's, it's required that we have surgery. <laughs> we need heart surgery. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword and it penetrates even to divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So we, we invest in Christ. We invest in his word. We allow the community of Christ to speak to us and welcome us in. That's how hearts are changed. When we expose our heart, then Jesus can do work in it. We're given a, a new heart as we align our hearts with Jesus. Again, in Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You, you want to walk in line with him because that brings peace. Psalm 119, verse 2, Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. Who see the very laws that God lays out as a way, as a wisdom to guide our lives and bring peace into our lives. Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if we are anxious, if we are chaotic, we need to think, where is my treasure at right now? What, what treasure of mine is being attacked right now? What, what treasure of mine is in danger of being stolen that's getting me so anxious? Respect? A name that I've created for myself, an image, an identity I've created for myself, is that being attacked right now? You will sense anxiety and chaos in your life. But if our treasure is in him who created all things, who gave all things in order to bring us back to himself and fills us with the spirit and gives us his peace, if our treasure is in that, we can have all sorts of shakiness in our life. 
and still be blessed, still have joy. So this kind, of, this kind of change, this kind of becoming peacemakers starts with us taking our hand off our own heart and letting God take over. We can't fix it ourselves. There's a, a story many of you have probably heard. Uh, G.K. Chesterton was a, a Catholic theologian and kind of a, a critic of both the church and culture. And the story goes that uh, the London Times posted this question to him and some other authors of his time that simply said, what is wrong with the world? And Chesterton, being very Chesterton, wrote this back. He said, dear sir, regarding your article, what is wrong with the world? I am, yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. Now, no one can actually verify that Chesterton actually did this. There's no actually written documentation that, that this truly took place. It was never printed if it did. But anyone who's read any Chesterton, you don't have a hard time believing that he would have done that. <laughs> heart change doesn't happen by accident. It happens when we ungrasp our own heart. We, we're trying to do heart surgery in our basement when, when the, the great physician wants to take our heart and nurture it and take hearts of, of stone that this world is so good at creating and break that heart of stone and giving us a heart that beats for God and then beats for others as well. We'll deal with you later. But here's the thing. Once we've been given a new heart, once we've been called children of the living God, we, we also become and we are called to be peacemakers. If we are agents of peace, we will go out of our way, out of our way to look for ways to introduce peace into a situation. When's the last time you saw chaos and you go, I'm going to get involved in that. I want to go and I want to bring peace into that situation. My wife, Elena, gets mad at me all the time because if I see if I hear any voice kind of raise up anywhere, I'm like, and she's just like, just stick to your own business. <laughs> and, I, you know, I've probably got myself in a few situations where peace was not asked for, required, but not asked for. But here's the thing. Peace experiencers will be peacemakers. We have to experience this peace that only God can give before we can send it out. But, we, but peace experiencers will become peacemakers. Many of us live lives, peaceless lives, and therefore can't currently be peacemakers. Even those of us who have said, I belong to Jesus. I am in, I've, I've, I've given myself into this. I've aligned my life with Jesus. But there's a few reasons that I just, I'm not feeling peace in my life. And there's a whole list of reasons we can come up with. I think I have them, yeah. Uh, one is, I don't want to be seen as weak. I don't want to feel the person, guy, you know what? I really don't want to fight. You know what? Whatever it is, let's, I, let, I forgive you. It's okay. I'm sure I was at fault. In this. We don't want to come off as weak. Peace only takes place in solitude. I just don't have any time to myself. My, my schedule, none of us here would say that, I know. My schedule is so busy, so I can't be, have peace in my mind. I can't have peace in my heart because I got to take care of the kids. I got to do this. I got to drive here. And then I got this problem at work. And so I can't have peace in my life. Peace needs to wait until I get everything else done in my life. We, we have a whole agenda. And it's like doing math. We've got all these check marks, and then we have a lot. And then at the bottom it says peace. Once I get through all these, then I will have peace. I'm sorry, but we all, if you've been around long enough, you know that as, as long as you keep doing this, things keep getting thrown on the top and you're never done. Peace needs to wait until I figure everything out. Peace will come when everybody else stops being so irritating and gets it together. <laughs> Almost an amen from Tony. Almost. He did, it was like, that would be sacrilegious, but I'm going to give an all right. <laughs> Okay. 
Peace will always be impossible if we have a list like this. Peace in our hearts and minds will always be impossible if we have a list like this. The only way peace can exist if we have a list like that is if you come to that, that five seconds in your life where everything, you're like, I think, I think I'm at peace right now. You would have to ask the whole entire world to just freeze right in that moment. And then you can live on in peace. That's the only way a list like that could ever work and bring you peace. That's why this idea of being blessed with something, it means that regardless of what comes your way, this is what belongs to you. Regardless of, of chaotic times, there is a deep sense of peace. There is a deep foundation that we can stand on. And let's be honest. If, if these don't happen, and we're like, this is never going to happen, many will find other ways just to numb the fact that we don't feel peace. That we're surrounded by irritating people who keep letting us down. That I keep getting one more thing stacked, just stacked on top of the other. So then we take matters into our own hands. We move to alcohol. We move to other addictions. We move to relationships that are unhealthy. We move to, to, to streaming series after series. Uh, looking for recognition on TikTok. We, we find some sort of addiction to bring peace for a few minutes, for a few hours. And then what we find is we return to ourselves after that, and now we've just wasted a bit more time, and now possibly we have guilt and shame on top of it. That doesn't bring peace. So how do we nurture peace so that we can then be conduits of peace? Well, we go to the Prince of Peace. Over and over and over. We never, we never get to that point like, like a toddler does. He goes, no, I got it. We, don't do that, ever. Go to the Prince of Peace over and over and over. Be nurtured by him. Re revisit the gospel that you are loved and you are accepted. It's his language. of that, that, is, that is Jesus' first tongue. It is a tongue of peace. It is a language of peace to speak into our lives. He is the peacemaker. He is the one who, who brought, brought reconciliation between us and God. He loves to bring peace. He wants to bring peace through us. He wants peace to well up in us. We're just going to reflect on one little piece of text as I, as I kind of land the plane on this message this morning. In Philippians chapter 4, Verses 4 to 8. The Apostle Paul writes this. Now we, we can be quick to read a text like this and go, oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's nice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that on a shirt. I'm going to put it on a mug. Uh, I might even memorize it because it'll come up later. I might, might need to use it. I'll give it to somebody else. I love memorizing scripture so I can give it to somebody else. <laughs> Please keep in mind, as Paul writes this, he's writing as someone who's been suffering greatly. He's had rocks thrown at him until they thought he was dead. He's been whipped. He's been beaten. He's been persecuted. He's been shunned. He's had all sorts of names thrown at him. And he's writing it to those who are experiencing something similar. So these are not light words. And he says this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't be chaotic. Don't be peaceless. But in every situation, every situation, Paul, every situation, that's what it means in the Greek, every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, 
Whatever is, is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That is such a, a rich instruction for God's people in a chaotic world, in a world that feels like it's, it's falling in on us. So don't skip by this too quickly because I think in this text we see an answer for the peaceless hearts and minds that many of us maybe have. If the peace experiencer will be a peacemaker, this is very important. If we cannot rely on the world around us to, to, to come conform to us, to bend to our needs, if the attempts at, at numbing our lack of peace in our hearts and minds only brings less peace in the long run and slavery often to addiction and guilt, then where do we go? We go again and again and again to the Prince of Peace. And we say, Jesus, speak peace to my soul. Holy Spirit, bring me counsel, bring me comfort. And what does he do? What does the Prince of Peace do for us? Paul explains. It, it changes the focus. It changes the perspective of our hearts. He says, hey, in all the chaos, and Paul was speaking to people in chaos from chaos. They were persecuted, pressured by the world, threatened. He says, in the middle of your chaos, rejoice. In what? In the Lord. Why? Because he is a constant. He is a constant that you can hold on to. Every other story breaks down. Every other promise disappears, fades away, but Jesus is a constant. Our story, when it is found in his story, can have solidity. So for those of you who feel unstoried, he gives you a story. Why? The Lord is near. He is present. In what seems like a closed-off story, Jesus is is close and Jesus understands we we worship a God with scars who's walked through it verse 6 says do not be anxious about anything about anything I got a whole list Paul don't be anxious about anything but in every situation anything every by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to God when is the last time you attempted to give thanks not just pray for God, give me deliverance, give me strength. When's the last time you prayed a prayer of thanksgiving in the midst of struggle? People would think you're a sadist. <laughs> Thank you so much. I like it right here. Hit me again. Give thanks. You say, well, Brett, that, that is so counterintuitive. Why, when I, things are horrible, would I give thanks? What, what the world would say is, no, 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 you get your tribe together, you, 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 you post about it, you, you stew in it, you make a TikTok video, you do whatever. Well, how's that working for you? How's that working for the world? Is that alleviating anxiety? Is that alleviating peacelessness? Is that alleviating uh, chaos? Paul says, rejoice in the middle of your struggle. Give thanks in the middle of your struggle. See, what, what we need, what you and I need in the midst of our chaos and peacelessness is something so counterintuitive, so against what the world would suggest, something that, that flips the script, that changes the plot line, changes who's in control of our plot line, something unexpected, a new kind of humanity that refuses to be a slave to anxiety. So, so bad times can come, but they don't get to set up camp. Difficulties come, but they're not allowed to build there. They can travel through. Keep going. This is a place of rejoicing. This is a place of thanksgiving and hope. So move along. 
That's what the peacemakers of the world are armed with, that ability to see something bigger. And you say, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, what does that have to do with it? But that doesn't make sense that we would find peace in the middle of a moment. What does the next verse say? Verse 7 says, The peace of God which transcends all understanding. You're right, it doesn't make sense. But many of you could give testimony to the fact that you were in the middle of chaos and you rejoiced and you sought the peace of Christ in the middle of it. And somehow, somehow he gave you solidity in the middle of a storm. Somehow he gave you hope and peace. That is where peace is found in the middle of a storm. That is where peace that is beyond comprehension resides and only resides. It is in Christ. We take our eyes off our anxieties and we affix our eyes on Jesus who saves us, not just saves us in some future tense, but right now can save us from anxiety, can save us from loneliness, can save us from peacelessness. We invite him into that moment because he gets it. Verse 8 says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Now here's the thing. You don't have to come up with, okay, I've got to think of something. Uh, I'm gonna use, what's something that's true that I can hold on to? Okay, yeah. What's something that's noble? I need something borrowed, something blue. No, that's not, that's not the point. Every one of those descriptions captured, is captured in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. This is the story you and I are invited into this morning. No one is more noble. No one is more true than Jesus. There's nothing more right than Christ. Pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. That's why we praise him every Sunday morning. The greater our gaze is affixed on Jesus, the greater our peace. I would suggest that the reason many of us are peaceless, the reason we are at war with others and war in our own minds is because we've neglected these words of Paul to rejoice, not just rejoice without a foundation, rejoice in the Lord always. So in our relationships, if we take our eyes off Jesus, even in our relationships, there will be a lack of peace in our relationships. In our work, if we have taken our eyes off Jesus, there will be a lack of peace in our work. In our school, and so we cannot be peacemakers in any of these areas if we don't focus our eyes on Jesus and rejoice always. Now, if you've grown up in the church, you're, you're probably familiar with a song called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Uh, at some point, you've probably heard that. The, the song captures the, this sentiment. Let me read you just a little bit. It says, O soul, and now no, just sense how, much of, how many of us these words speak to. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. So turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That song was written by a woman named Helen Lamel. She was an English woman. She, she had moved to America as a young woman, but then moved back to England to train as a musician. She met a wealthy Englishman, and then in her 40s, she actually became blind. Her husband left her because of her blindness, didn't want to deal with that, and she had a handful of different problems. 
happened to her until she came across this statement that she read. It said, so then turn your eyes upon him, look full into his face, and you will see that the things of earth will acquire a strange new dimness. So as a blind woman who could have had many reasons not to rejoice, as a blind woman, she wrote the words, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. She had read that statement. It was actually from a small devotional that was written by another woman from her time, Lilius Trotter. And if any of you have read the history of the church in the last two centuries, Lilius Trotter was a, a missionary uh, a wealth, from a wealthy family who just decided, I'm going to give it all up and go be a missionary in Algiers. Didn't know any of the language, didn't know any of the culture, just showed up with a few of her friends. And she was writing of this very idea of focusing our eyes, our hearts, and our desires on Jesus. And she wrote this, and this is the same segment that, that Helen Lamel got the, the other segment out of. It said, we'll, we'll, she's saying that people will complain, say, we can't just focus on Jesus. There's life going on around us. We got we to gotta take in everything. She says, no, just focus your eyes on Jesus. She, and she said, will it not make life narrow, this focusing? In a sense, yes, it will. And in the, the narrowing and the focusing, the channel will be prepared for God's power. Like the stream that's hemmed between the rock beds that wells up in a spring. Like the, the burning glass that gathers the rays into an intensity that will kindle a fire. It is worthwhile to let God see what he can do with these lives of ours when to live is Christ. What she's saying, she's saying that when we focus our eyes on Jesus in devotion and prayer and in his community, when we, when we live in his story and prepare our hearts for refreshing, spiritual water will flow into our lives. Like water rising between a very, two very tight rock crevices that can't go anywhere else because we're so focused on Christ, it'll burst up out of us. Like, like through a magnifying glass, bringing the rays of the sun to a fine point so that we feel the, the burning warmth of Christ in our life. We will find this overwhelming peace as we focus our eyes on him. We find belonging and through us, the peace of God will be at work. So guys, I don't know if you consider yourselves a peacemaker. Maybe, maybe you're like, I got, I got no reserves anymore. <laughs> To be a peacemaker. The beautiful thing about being a peacemaker, it has nothing to do with your reserves. It's just to be a conduit, to be the magnifying glass so that Christ can shine through you. To be, to be so focused that the, the wellspring of, of living water can come up through us. But this is the invitation. This is the vocation of a child of the living God that, that comes about when we continue to anchor ourselves in the peace that is only made possible through Jesus Christ. So I'm going to invite you to bow your heads. And I want to say to, to each of you this morning, and, and if you, you've come this morning and you just say, you know, I'm not a Christ follower and I have, I've been living in chaos. I've just, I feel overwhelmed by burdens of life. I feel overwhelmed um, maybe by just my own uh, issues of guilt and, and patterns that I'm in. I've just had this kind of undercurrent of loss and, and a lack of solidity in my life, then maybe this morning you need to say, Jesus, I, I, I'm going I'm to focus my eyes on you. I'm going to align my life with you. 
And so that, that lack of peace I have that maybe is connected to this understanding that I need forgiveness in my own life, good news for you. Jesus is ready to offer you that right now. And so in your, in your heart, in your mind, you can just say, Jesus, I want that. I want that forgiveness and I want that new life you offer. It's the beautiful thing about his forgiveness is it's, it, it's the kind of forgiveness that surprises us and surprises the world. He's very ready to give you forgiveness with no strings attached. And maybe some of us here, uh, we've been Christians for years, but we found the chaos of the world, the anxiety in the world, that the pressure of the world to conform in different areas has just pushed so heavily on us. We've been keeping to ourselves. We've been keeping our, our, our words to ourselves and our world has got smaller and smaller and smaller and we feel so unstoried and we feel like there's nothing bigger than just putting our feet in front of each other and, and, and keeping our head down. I want to invite you to step into this larger story that you were invited to when, when Jesus welcomed you into his family. That there is, there is a, a, a much wider story, a much more beautiful story that offers hope, offers strength. And so Jesus, it's my prayer for each person here this morning that there would be a, a deeper understanding of who they are because of you. We pr- I pray this morning that your forgiveness would would trickle deep into our souls that we understand that with no strings attached, we belong to you. With no strings attached, you have given us the right to be called children of the living God. But now as you have called us to be children of the living God, may we understand that as our vocation to be conduits of your peace and joy. May we wield very freely the gift of forgiveness you gave to us. May we, may we be free to, to throw that out to other people. And when we come into areas where there is chaos and peace whether it be in our own families, whether it be with friends, whether it be in school or at work, may we be peacemakers in those moments to offer forgiveness and love and acceptance to those who are walking in fractured, chaotic lives. Do a work in us this morning so that we can be quick to offer that peace to others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.